Welcome to Vineyard 61's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged, and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website, vineyard61.org, or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. Okay, this is Pentecost Sunday, the birth of the church, the day the Holy Spirit was released on planet Earth. It took up residence into people's hearts, and the Spirit of God is upon us, it's, a, it's within us, and it's all around us. And tonight we have a really special service where we're going to hear from uh, Ellie Mumford, who, her and her husband John, they planted the first vineyard church in the UK, and Viv and I, we had the privilege of being part of their church when we first joined uh, Southwest London Vineyard. Um, we're going to have this special service at six o'clock and Ellie's going to talk about Pentecost, the birth of the church. And so do join us tonight at six o'clock on Facebook and on YouTube. Uh, as we continue living out our calling to follow Jesus, follow his ways, we want to continue our calling to gather around his presence and then continue our mission to bring life to London and beyond. We've just been reflecting on these far, uh, last few months and we've been reminded that Jesus is the head of the church. He continues to build his church and he continues to give us vision for what's ahead. Uh, We've all been through significant stages during this season, and I don't know about you, but just there's been all kinds of trauma in this crisis that have been uh, raised. And many of us have been going through a traumatic experience, whether we've tried to cover up our cracks, uh, things, but this season has just, we've like, the band-aid has just been ripped off and all of our, our insecurities, some of our, um, anxiety, some of our warts and some of our, our issues have just come to the surface. Uh, what has left at this time maybe is a bit of uncertainty, unsure of what's next in, the, in this time. And that's the same for us. That's, that's the same for me as an individual, uh, but also as a, as a community. We, we've been trying to go through these three of responding, of uh, we're in a process of recovering, and now it's this time of reconstruction, right at the beginning of March, towards the end of March, we were just responding, weren't we? What do we do now? What does this mean for our, our jobs? What does this mean for our family? Understanding words like furlough, understanding what is COVID-19, and just what does this mean for me? I guess the last few weeks, I've been in a bit of a recovery, getting some rhythm into, into my week as we've just tried to, as an organization, as a charity, as a church, respond to this situation. But we're definitely in this time of recovering. And that's when things come to the surface as well. What's happening now, as we, uh, as we partner with the government in their phasing in of social distancing, we're in this time of reconstruction. What does this mean for me as an individual? What has changed that I, never, I, I don't want to go back to and going to be a new normal for me? But also as a church, what does our church look like as, re, as we reconstruct the future? What we've always said is that um, kingdom, our leadership and the way we lead as, as, as a kingdom leaders are, is in surrender. Alan Scott, uh, he says this beautifully. He says, we are not the movers and the shakers. We are the moved and the shaken. 
particularly on Pentecost Sunday, would you be moved by God? Would you, his Holy Spirit, shake you and reconstruct you? Um, today, I want to talk about what the early church looked like after Pentecost. What happened after Pentecost? And uh, I want to talk about the house-to-house principle. Just thinking about those 122 followers of Jesus who gathered in the upper room. On that day, the Holy Spirit fell like fire. On that day where Peter, he then preached one of the most powerful gospel messages ever. And 3,000 plus people were, were welcomed into the church family. They were baptized as believers. You see, these disciples, these followers were trained by Jesus to, to take responsibility and disciple new Christians, new followers of the way. Um, Viv today, she, she's done this uh, pulled pork uh, dish, which when we left this morning just smelled fantastic. And she's put the, I don't know what it is, this secret sauce in this dish. And so at like quarter past one, uh, we just get to taste this delicious meal. But I was thinking about Acts. What is the secret sauce in the book of Acts? What, is, what happened in Acts that, that created this church where it was said that the whole of Jerusalem had heard the gospel within moments, within, within months and years? Here it is in Acts 2, 46 and 47. It's the secret source, if you like. Uh, so continually, daily, with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who had been saved. You see, as followers of Jesus, new converts to to Jesus. They would still gather in the temple. They would gather as a large community and then they would meet in home to home, house to house. Uh, we, uh, the, the Greek of homes is this oikos and we want to learn more about this term oikos in, in these coming weeks. Uh, but throughout the book of Acts and throughout Paul's teaching, we hear these phrases of houses, of homes, where the Spirit of God and the community happen. In Acts 20, 20, it says this, the Apostle Paul, he declares to the members of the church in Ephesus, I kept nothing back. I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house. And the letters, all the letters that were written by, by Paul in the New Testament were written to believers who met in people's homes. For example, here's a, a verse in Romans. Paul indicates that one of these groups met in the home of Prisquilla. And it says this in Romans 16, 30, uh, 16 uh, 3 to 5. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked, I love this language, who risked their own necks for my life, to whom not only have I, do I give thanks, but also all the churches in Gentile, of the Gentiles. And listen to this. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. When Paul wrote to his friend of Philemon. He expressed his greetings to the church in the house. He said, the beloved uh, uh, hard word, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. That's in Philemon 1-2. So what was the early church like? What happened? What was the early church like? Um, I was thinking about this and I was just caught 
uh, I love Nehemiah, Nehemiah 3. I love this verse that's found in, uh, in Nehemiah 3. It's talking about that Nehemiah is rebuilding the walls and he stations different families along the wall to help in the reconstruction. Like the Bateman family would be in one part of the wall. The Bertolinis would be in another part of the wall repairing. The Frosts would be another part of the wall. And you get, you get the picture. But uh, there's this verse and it says, uh, it says this in, in 3 verse 16, Nehemiah. As far as the opposite of David's tomb, as far as the artificial pool, by the house of the mighty men. House of the Mighty Men. Um, I was thinking about this and just reading about these mighty men. And uh, the Bible says that one of the least of the mighty men was, ex- was as good as a thousand warriors. And there were 600 mighty men mentioned in 2 Samuel. Uh, and they, there's listed these 33 mighty men who were famous. Who actually, each one of them are named in this book of, in 2 Samuel. Can you imagine the house of mighty, imagine these 33 mighty men living under the same roof. Can you imagine that one of them was as good as a thousand warriors? I think that's like the best neighborhood watch you would ever need. You'd feel safe, wouldn't you, in your neighborhood? My, My point, my point, my kind of my loose point is, what if your house was a house of a mighty woman or a mighty man? What if your house was a place where people came in sick and they left healed? They came in full of anxiety and they left delivered. They came in with their marriage broken and they left in love. What would it mean if your house, uh, where maybe addicts would come in, in the front door, and they would go out the back door, terror, kingdom terrorizers, hope dealers? This is part of our vision. This is my vision that we would raise up homes of acts all over London and beyond. Wherever you are, homes of acts all over London and beyond. You see, people would no longer go to church. They would be the church. They wouldn't just come on, on Sunday, hear a message. They'd hear a message on Sunday, and, but they would apply it on Monday, on Tuesday, on Thursday, and Friday, and Saturday. So what is a home of acts? You see, God's original design, according to the New Testament principle, was that churches in homes were to be the foundation of every aspect of church life. You see, Jesus, he was this revolutionary. Jesus' vision to revolutionize the world was pretty simple. It's focused on person to person, house to house, community to community. Out of the multitudes of his followers, you see, he appointed just 12 to be his disciples. A little home group, if you like, a little church in the home. But he gave them this mission and the mandate. You see, the the scripture said Jesus came to destroy the works of the evil ones. And he gave his disciples that same commission. By living closely with them day in, day out, uh, he gave the, Jesus gave them intense training. He demonstrated miraculous power. He explained his parables to people and he answered all of their questions. You see, you and I as a disciple of Jesus now, a disciple is simply a learner, an apprentice, someone who copies the teacher. 
the great thing about Jesus is he gives his disciples innumerable opportunities to practice and exercise the things that he taught them. Uh, Jesus, he poured out his life on individuals by close to close daily contact for three and a half years. Um, let me just pause. I just pause. Uh, right now, there's someone you've got uh, lower back pain on on your right hand side. Um, just Jesus is healing you right now. Just right here, Jesus is healing you right now. Um, I also believe that there's like headaches that Jesus wants to heal, migraines, um, just pain in your front, uh, your front of your brain right now. Jesus is healing you now. The same things that Jesus did, he's doing right now. And I pray right now just that the, the full work of, of the power of Jesus would come upon you now. So just where you are right now, just receive. Jesus is alive. And just receive him, receive him, receive his power. We were on a, a, a live healing last Thursday and we had a fantastic gentleman come. We had him on the phone, on speakerphone. And just the Spirit of God just touched him where he was in his home. And the presence of Jesus has just been healing him. And uh, we gave him this invitation. Would you like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? He's knocking at the door of your heart. And would you let him in? And it might be for you as well. Would you allow Jesus, this man Jesus who loves you dearly, who paid a heavy price for you, would you let him into your, into your heart right now? into your home. Jesus loves to visit us in our homes. And just across, across London and beyond, Jesus is visiting you right now in your home. Um, C.T. Strud, a famous missionary to Africa, he once said this, and it just, it's been gripping me these last couple of weeks. He said this, I do not wish to live neath the sound of a church or chapel bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. I do not wish to live beneath the sound of a church or a chapel bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. I want to position my flag for those who are entering hell and say, this is where, this is where my church is. And so the main purpose of every house church, church in the home, must be to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. Otherwise, our church will end up just being a social club without any power. The Lord gives us power in the Great Commission, Matthew 28. You shall receive power. Sorry, in, in Acts 1 verse 8, it says this. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses uh, in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Again, I'm not talking about house churches here. I'm not talking about a little social club where hospitality, where we sort of put on a fine dining for people. I'm talking about church in your home. I'm talking about your church being a house of miracles. I'm talking about anticipating and expecting that your house is like a Holy Spirit terrorist training center. Now, because we're live, I have to make this disclaimer. I'm not talking about terrorizing people. 
I'm talking about terrorizing the works of the enemy. I'm talking about destroying the works of the enemy in our time. The focus is on the battle and winning the war. We are in a spiritual battle and we not have time to sit around and play like kids play Call of Duty. We don't have time for that. We need to rise up in faith and be the church that destroys the works of darkness in our time, in Jesus' name. You see, as we were thinking about the church in Acts, they didn't, the early church didn't import existing culture into the church. They didn't take what was present in their current day and go, let's just make it like that. They exported kingdom culture into the world. And this is what culture carriers do. We take kingdom principles and we release it into the earth. Like this banner here. The banner here, extending God's kingdom together everywhere and in every way. It's culture carrying. It's what we do. Um, there's a great story in uh, another, another, uh, another fantastic book in the Old Testament, Two Kings. Two Kings 4, it's this story of Elisha miraculously multiplying the oil uh, of a poor widow. And the story is, as long as the poor widow has enough vessels uh, to pour the oil into, the, the oil, the flow of oil continues. But when she, when she ran out of vessels, the supply of new oil was halted. If I can be prophetic in any way, um, this is the, I just want to propose, this is our present purpose of God. This may be what God might be saying to us as a church. He's promised to pour out his spirit in these last days, but it will, only, the only, it will need flexible containers to hold what we want to propose is this great harvest that is on the horizon. Is it possible that the, the Lord is using this time to create a different type of church uh, where the, the Lord is waiting for his church to prepare proper vessels for this time so his oil can be poured out. Proper containers. Um, asked, I asked SP a couple of weeks ago, how many people do we reckon watch this? And we reckon between around three, 400 people are watching this. Will you be a container Will you be a container for Jesus, for his oil? And now is the time where we can prepare for this possible coming harvest. You see, we cannot force new Christians into a new type of vessel, a new wineskin. We must prepare a new type of model, a new wineskin for the new wine. So forming these new vessels will facilitate, we want to propose the Lord's commission to make disciples. And we're going to need many, many different types of vessels. We're going to need churches in homes. We're going to need local congregations. We're going to need different types of churches, different kinds of languages, different expressions. In order for us to bring life to our city, it's not about building a large church, but it's creating different churches, different expressions, uh, with the intention of not to growth, not to grow, but to transform. We're not into growth, we're into transformation. And if we are really called to bring life to our city, it's about transforming our church culture into something new, maybe. You see, we talk about new wineskins for the new wine. 
our old wineskin, do you remember we talked earlier about reconstructing? Our old wineskin is not going to be sitting on a chair on a Sunday morning looking at the back of someone's head. You see, Christianity has always been known as this intimate, personal relationship, joining others in corporate uh, community, fellowship, worship, uh, connection, looking at the scriptures, ministry to one another. And together we must follow the way of Jesus. And then what we do is as we gather, we then reach out to the lost and the last and the least, making disciples in the process. And so our motivation as we've been just stewing this reconstruction is just this idea that maybe homes are the ideals for fulfilling the purposes of God. Uh, There's a great story I heard a couple of months ago. Uh, Graham Tomlin, who's the Bishop of Kensington, uh, he said this, he shared this, and it's apparently this is well known amongst the Coptic churches of Egypt. And he said this, in the uh, 10th century, the Caliph in Cairo issued a decree to close all the churches of the Coptic Christian community. All the churches in the land were forbidden for the church bells to ring. The churches were closed, the gates grew rusty, and the pigeons took up residence in the sanctuaries. Some of the faithful cops traveled across the desert seeking monasteries in the wilderness so they could meet for prayer and worship. However, the majority of the cops could not afford the time or money to travel uh, across the desert, so they were forced to stay in their homes on Sundays. After nine years of this lockdown, the caliph decided to see for himself how the Coptic Christians were, were faring. And so in disguise, he set out on a Sunday and walked the streets um, of the quarters in old Cairo. As he walked in the narrow streets, he heard the sound of their prayers. He heard Bible readings. He heard worship from every house that he passed. And so his reaction was another decree. He said this, open their churches, let them pray as they please, because I thought I'd close the church in every street, only to find out that I'd opened, every church, opened a church in every house. If this is a representation of what the evil one is trying to do at this time, what if that happened again? What if in this time of lockdown, when churches become, we land in our home, what if a, a revival happened in our time? What if? Um, uh, over the weekend, I looked at our, our database and we plotted where everyone is. And uh, I think there's a, uh, we took a picture on, on the screen. I think there's a picture coming up. This is our plot. This is where you all are. Um, can you see yourself? Can you see your home? Maybe if you haven't, maybe if your home's not there, you might want to um, just email us, let us know you've moved house. Can you see you? Can you see yourself there? We've got a Battersea site in blue, and the Balham site in is it orange? Orange. As I said, there's like 400 of you watching online, probably 200 homes. 
Imagine opening up 200 homes. Imagine opening up 200 homes, homes of acts. Your home being a home of acts. As we phase in this, uh, this new normal with, with social distancing, a time is going to come where we'll meet in the temple, we'll meet together as a gathered uh, community, but we'll also meet home to home. And this is a time like no other where I believe the chance for spiritual formation at this time has never been uh, the opportunity now for spiritual formation in, in the individual. Take this opportunity in spiritual formation, in prayer, in reading the scriptures, in fasting, in meditation, in silence and solitude, and all those other fantastic spiritual formation tools. I want to say this, Jesus is coming back soon. For 28 years, since I first started following Jesus, I believe that the end time church would look like the Acts church. I really believe that our future is going to be looking like the Acts church. The church in Acts would be our new normal, home to home, community to community, uh, until every person in the city clearly understands the gospel. Let me just say this one other thing while I'm, while I'm here. Let me just say this to England. Uh, worship is coming home. It's coming home. Worship is coming home. I want to declare, worship is coming home. Believe that God is resetting and restoring worship in these days like no other. There's another wave of worshipers arising who aren't into the, I want to be a celebrity worshipper. I don't want to just consume. I don't want to just go up to another worship evening to consume. But worship is coming home. We are marked by kingdom culture. I believe worship is coming home where wholehearted worshipers are on the rise. People who worship with freedom and this fearful awe of God, this God who is holy, this God who is awesome. And even now, it might be that God is placing that within you. So where you are now, I just pray right now that the Holy Spirit would release fire into homes right now. Holy Spirit, fire. You see, what the media cannot contain, what the scientists cannot um, explain, what philosophers uh, never believed would happen in our day, in our time. In this coming season of revival, I believe that this would usher Jesus back. As we worship now, just allow the Spirit of God's fire to fall on you as we worship. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our Vineyard 61 speakers.